It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm with Zerlina Maxwell, as always. We are joined right now by our favorite legal explainer. He's a legal analyst for NBC, here to talk about what's going on with the DOJ. Danny Savalos, thank you so much for getting up and joining us. Good morning. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just sitting <laughs> yes. by my iPhone watching my data get get downloaded in a secret subpoena. <laughs> well, I think that's that's a good place to start. So the first oh, you get you get like got... a little alert when that happens. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, you get no, a notification. Right. I, I asked to track that. You know that option now. I do let them track whether yeah. my data is my metadata is being sent to the DOJ. I mean. I think great. I think that's a scary Smart. thought <laughs> um, under any circumstances. But in this circumstance, what the reporting shows, Danny, is that the DOJ was spying on. Is that the right word? That's my first question. Members of Congress and their families, um, including minor children. So is that normal? How does something like this Let's, happen? Right, right. Let's start with the general proposition. Is it normal to investigate leaks? Now, that general question? The answer is heck yes. And in fact, President Obama, I believe, conducted more searches, more investigations of leaks than I've heard one statistic than all other prior administrations. I mean, now that could be measured by the sheer amount of data collected. We live in an era of data and metadata and megadata and all kinds of data. So that could be a skewed number. But the bottom line is that investigating leaks occupies a very gray area, both in American criminal law, but in our collective morality. Sometimes we cheer them. Sometimes we think leaks are fantastic. Uh, other times we think they threaten the very security of our country. To the DOJ, however, in law enforcement, leaks can be crimes, and they are something that not just Trump, but past presidents have investigated. However, uh, for me, and I wrote a column for the Daily Beast about this, one question for me is, did they investigate or seize the metadata uh, or data at all of any Republicans as well? Because for me, uh, morally, that answers the question of whether this is a political investigation. However, even if they did seize only Democrats' data, legally, that may still be not only uh, legal, but warranted and even justified, depending on the facts. Do we have the so how do we here, figure that out? Yeah. How do we well, learn the facts? <laughs> well, exactly right. The inspector general has announced a wide ranging investigation into the reasons for uh, these subpoenas. And that will presumably involve reviewing the subpoenas and reviewing the, the investigation and the process that that led up to issuing those subpoenas and any court involvement to the extent there was any anything memorialized in any uh, in any courthouse then that will be reviewed as well. But the DOJ keeps a lot of records. They write a lot of memos to the files. So uh, this is something that can be investigated. And, you know, one of the questions I have also is, you know, where is, is there, are we going to see in this investigation any forms of minor civil disobedience? And the reason I say that is that the DOJ is staffed with a lot of lawyers, lawyers mm -hmm. who, are, who are even, FBI, a lot of FBI agents are lawyers. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, you know, you like to think there's some independence and the DOJ is historically supposed to have 
independence right. from the executive. Even if you believe in the unitary executive that the president is a kind of king over all he surveys in the executive branch, even still, there are there is evidence, legal evidence, that the DOJ is supposed to be independent. And I wonder if you're going to see little tiny acts of civil disobedience in the form of a memorandum to the file by mm. a DOJ lawyer saying, gee, I don't know if I agree with this. That's the kind of thing that will give a lot of information about the motive uh, that undergirded this uh, wide ranging investigation. And so, you know, we don't have all the facts yet, but um, once the inspector general's report is in, once we learn more, I mean, I think the big questions the public has uh, is, you know, who was investigated and exactly why? And for me, a major moral question is, were Republicans investigated as well? Because it can be legally justified if there's enough evidence that just Democrats were doing naughty things but morally, I don't know that the public would accept that. I, I mean, I, Trump would go after certain Republicans. I mean, Trump would go after anybody who wasn't pro-Trump, regardless of their party. And there were a couple Republican holdouts there. If he also used our Department of Justice to to you know, to 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 monitor their activities. The fact that they had an R after their name doesn't seem to make it any less politically motivated for me. Uh, well, you know, uh, here I, I think it. I think that the challenge is that it, we have a long history. The Supreme Court has long said that as long as there is objective evidence of a crime, then law enforcement can essentially discriminate and and a really. Uh, this is going to sound like a crazy example, but I believe it's true that if a white man and a black man are both stepping off the curb and jaywalking and there's objective evidence that they're jaywalking, uh, the Supreme Court has essentially said that police can exercise their discretion and only arrest uh, the black man. And so in, it, it stands to follow that this kind of discrimination in the Justice Department would be legal if there was objective evidence that, say, the Democrats were committing crimes in the form of leaks even if there was objective evidence that Republicans were committing those leaks as well, then it seems, and I'm kind of extrapolating, but from the Supreme Court precedent that, look, the DOJ as law enforcement, they have that discretion. They don't have to investigate every single act of crime, but as long as there is objective evidence, whatever pretextual uh, or bad reason you had in your heart and your mind for investigating, that could be legally justified. And I guess that's why I keep hammering home that I don't know if it's if President Obama, who conducted a number of investigations into leaks, focused only on Republicans, focused only on Mitch McConnell, uh, then I would have a problem with that morally. I mean, even if it was legally justified, and I think the public would, too. Does it complicate things in terms of objective, subjective that Donald Trump was tweeting that Ooh. the Justice Department should investigate? Adam Schiff uh, and Eric Swalwell and other members of Congress who we Good now question. learned that he is uh, he was investigating because I feel like that's part of what makes it not objective. Right. It doesn't make it look right. It makes the Justice Department's actions look like they were coming from a subjective place because it's what Donald Trump publicly said all the time that he wanted. Right. A bunch of things about that. So we've never had a president who appears to either issue orders or demands or requests or whatever those are by social media. I mean, that's not the kind of thing that the public is normally privy to. So a big question I had throughout the administration uh, was when he does that, is that someone at the DOJ in the office of presidential tweets uh, receiving that as a communique? Is it like a Morse code telegram that 
oh, okay, well, that's that's our next order is go look at these Democrats. And we may find the answer to that question in this investigation. And I'm genuinely curious to see, you know, look, as, as a member of the public who would read those tweets, I wondered, you know, what what is the DOJ doing? Do they just laugh it off? Do they ignore it? Right. And do they or do they or does that alone count in the bucket of objective evidence of a crime? I would hope not. I mean, I, you know, I, I know it sounds crazy, but just because the president says something's criminal in a tweet doesn't I don't know that that account that makes it objective evidence. I don't know if that would be enough to go to a magistrate and get a search warrant. Because, oh, your honor, the president tweeted that this is a bad guy. So can we get a warrant? I mean, yes, he's the most powerful man in the in the world. But uh, at the same time, we still have the rule of law and we still have the Constitution, which requires a showing of probable cause. However low that bar has become, uh, we still require a, some form of probable cause. And I hope that's more than just a tweet about someone's enemies from the president. I would hope. What does this mean for uh, for the reporters whose phone records were were seized? Like as they're if they're investigating a leak, I can see how you would want to to look at the phone records of the person who received the leak. But that also feels like there's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing illegal about a reporter taking the phone call from a source inside the White House. So what is the evidence for seizing their phone records and metadata? So we have to start with, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I do need to make a distinction. You know, we're talking a lot about investigating members of Congress, uh, but right. you know, that that seems to require at least morally some form of heightened standard among the public. Maybe not a legal one, but you know, I'm I, sad to say, and uh, you two as journalists will be disappointed to learn that it's basically open season on journalists, and it has been for a long <laughs> time. And that's because the First Amendment. You know, people uh, sometimes think the First Amendment treats journalists differently. It doesn't. Uh, in fact, what what you see instead is that the DOJ has policies that they say, well, we we will go for journalistic journalist records as a last resort, but we would prefer not to do that. But that's just DOJ policy. And believe me, I know this from firsthand. You can't force the DOJ as a defendant to follow their own policy. Their policy is their policy. They can break it, but it's not illegal. But the bottom line is journalists enjoy no special protection under the First Amendment, uh, at least constitutionally. So it's long been open season on journalists. As I mentioned before, Obama uh, had conducted unprecedented secret investigations into journalists' records. I mean, wide swaths of of data were collected. And so so it's not there's plenty of precedent for going rifling through journalists' records and, and doing so without them even knowing. I mean, that. And I'm including you too. I'm, I'm not. I hate to be uh, negative or, or uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, you know, doomsday. But you know, it could be happening. It may have happened in the past. You're both journalists, maybe. I mean, you're probably not a, a favorite of the former President Trump. So maybe. Who knows? Uh, you have sources, I'm sure. So yeah, you could have been caught in a dragnet. And this has been going on for a long time. So journalists simply do not enjoy the same protections. The message for journalists is that nothing has changed. Uh, the government, if they want to prosecute leaks, will look at your stuff. They say they w- will try not to. What that means, who knows? That's not very enforceable. But journalists, you don't enjoy any special protection other than a loose understanding since the you know dawn of our, uh, of our uh, nation that, well, okay, journalists are important. Uh, but if we have to get their records, we won't hesitate to do so. Oh, I, I don't doubt 
Okay. <laughs> I don't doubt that two, I was caught up in a you dragnet. Two <laughs> I mean, have these I, super depressed reactions to everything. I, every I time listen. I'm, on, I'm like, it's not easy. I'm processing, Danny. I'm processing in real life, <laughs> real time. But the other thing too is like, I I already operate as if somebody. Oh, is I'm just staring into the middle distance. No, no. <laughs> I mean, because you know, ever since I got the red banner on my computer, government hackers are trying to infiltrate your account. I've acted a little oh, bit yeah. differently with my electronic devices. I don't, I just assume sure. that I'm being spied on. Um, and oh, I have nothing I mean, interesting anyway. Yes. Like anywhere anymore. Really, really disappointed. Like if really I have something interesting to tell you, I pick up the phone. That's it. yeah. <laughs> Do like little disappearing year. audio messages as well. Those are, those come in very mm-hmm. clutch. Um, but the thing I, um, you know, was sort of thinking as I was reading through even just the breaking news, Danny, is that, Basically, there is an assumption that we could have made that we didn't make, but now it seems like we should have, um, which is that Donald Trump, of course, he was the things that he was tweeting. The Justice Department was acting based on those directions, like they were taking them as directives um, and putting. So should we go back and look at all of those, all of the other tweets? Because maybe there should be a list that journalists like us should come up with of all the people that Donald Trump attacked on Twitter, because I'm pretty sure if he was, you know, bold enough to get the phone data for somebody's kid in Congress who was underage um, in his dragnet that, you know, every single person he tweeted about as an enemy probably had their phone data subpoenaed at some point. It's four long years. I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes and no. I, I like I said earlier, I, I have to believe that DOJ, with its historical independence, so to say, from the executive branch, from the president himself, has to use their it, they're required. The Supreme Court has said that that a, a prosecutor must use his or her independent judgment free from you know, orders. They can't use, you know, the I was ordered to do it defense. Their job is not to secure convictions. It's not to win. It's to do justice, whatever they that, that is in their independent judgment. So when it comes to the DOJ, I guess I hold out hope, you know, knowing a lot of, and, and knowing a lot of folks at the DOJ and, you know, liking some, a lot of them, maybe not liking some of them. So I, I think I'm pretty even handed, but I do respect them a ton because they're always you know, look, I mean, all these uh, folks at the DOJ, especially assistant U.S. attorneys, they're all highly educated, highly pedigreed. They, they take their career and their their uh, reputation very seriously. So I have to believe that, you know, if given an order that they or a tweet order that they thought was uh, unconstitutional or not uh, not worthy of anything, that there would have been some pushback. Maybe we'll find that out. And I, I really I believe that. And I'm not talking about the appointees. I'm not talking about the folks that you would have ideological differences with. I'm talking about the rank and file, the career prosecutors who are there, irrespective of the administration. I mean, those folks, I would think, frankly, care much more about their duty to do justice and maybe their own careers than, you know, pleasing whatever person is there for four years in charge of them issuing memos. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the a a very short version of the, the divide, the chain of command in the DOJ. And I believe the rank and file, there would have been some pushback. I, I just believe, I think we'll find that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just believe that. I, I mean, because at their core, you know, one of, and this is just my opinion as a defense attorney, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of, you, you see a lot of camaraderie among U.S. attorneys like you see in the military or even in the FBI. You know, they, they believe in the institution. 
and they believe in the institution over the executive who runs it. And I think they would they would show their loyalty uh, to what they believe is the institution and the institution of justice. So I, I just I don't know. You could be right. Maybe they acted on every presidential tweet, but I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. Is it worthy okay. of a, an investigation? Uh, yeah, maybe. Sure. Investigate everything. Why not? Are we going to find evidence, yeah, though, that, that the line prosecutors, sure, they're career people that maybe did the memo to file, but that somebody may have at least asked them. Like, maybe they didn't go through with it, but somebody asked them. Because if Bill sure. Barr, Jeff Sessions, and um, Rod Rosenstein are all out on the record saying, we didn't know about this, which is weird. That's just weird. Um, somebody asked, I think. Somebody does. <laughs> somebody might have. Somebody knows. And maybe the line prosecutor didn't go through with all of the subpoenas. But I think that probably every every single instance, somebody did ask. I mean, I don't get the sense that Donald Trump didn't ask. I mean, just think about Bill Barr's answer to the vice president when she was a senator in that hearing. He was like, has the president ever suggested that you open an investigation into anyone? Like, I've memorized the question at this point, right, because it was so hilarious when he pretended not to understand the word suggested. But, Danny, how do you think about that answer now that you have this new information? Uh, you know, I've heard that answer. I think he lawyered. I think that that he was hyper lawyering up the answer. And by the way, anytime anyone hyper lawyers up the answer and and asks something like it depends what your definition of is is. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of reminded me of you mm-hmm. know the Clinton uh, parsing yes. out the word is with Bill Barr saying, well, let me see. I'm, I'm thinking about suggesting or, and I know, you know, it verbatim Zerlina, but I'm kind of going on my memory, but he kind of <laughs> focuses on, uh, on suggested. Hmm. So uh, anytime anyone does that, they're lawyering up the question. And I think there's probably something to scratch at and see if it, uh, see what's under the surface. So I, I think you might be onto something there. Who knows? I mean, the, the strangest thing right now is that you have so many people high ranking who are saying, uh, I didn't know anything about it. Somebody right. knows about it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And just to give you an example of that kind of civil disobedience that goes on, you may remember sometime back uh, a prosecutor, Aaron Zelinsky, I, I believe he resigned over the sentencing memo in the, I want to say the Roger Stone case. It might've been the Paul Manafort case, but he was, you know, he, he didn't agree with it uh, and he resigned over it. And that's the kind, I mean, resignation mm-hmm. i don't think we'll see that but you do find that when people leave the doj uh they will reveal this information and by the way to bring everything full circle if they don't want to reveal that information publicly and threaten their career what's another good way to reveal it leaks mm-hmm. which <laughs> would be ironic <laughs> full circle okay right, full circle now that we've now that we've come full circle i i want to pivot to to another topic because you've you've authored an op-ed uh for nbc that is uh sort of fascinating and terrifying and we've been talking about the sort of violence on planes that has been happening and unruly passengers etc cetera, etc cetera. you have a, a piece that basically describes what happens on airplanes as wild west frontier justice and, sure and vigilante Yeehaw. justice and i've never heard it put that way but my god you're right we deputize a posse of random passengers to mm-hmm. deal with whatever the issue is can can you talk about how, like how how the hell did we get here wait is, is this <laughs> like really really we have wild west justice on planes yeah in a way we do i mean we're in an era and by the way this is just my completely unscientific opinion i have this theory that this is on the uptick because we're in a very strange 
period of the pandemic, you know, six months ago, everybody was wearing masks everywhere. There wasn't any right. question. If you were a non-mask wearer, you were thrown out of the store and that was mm -hmm. it. Now we're in this weird, I don't know if you're noticing this, but you know, I leave the house and we go to a, re if we go to a restaurant, it's, do I need to bring a mask? I don't know. Are we going to any mask places? Yeah. I'm not sure. So there's a lot of, uh, now we're in this strange transitional period where some people are wearing zero masks and other people are still completely masked up. And so I think I have this, it's so unscientific, but I think that's why people are getting much more angry at each other. And also people have been cooped up for a year. So psychological reasons aside, when it comes to the Wild West on the airplanes, uh, it's a necessary situation. The reason is we don't have weapons on airplanes. You know, even even the 9-11 hijackers right. had box cutters. That's the best right. they could get on board. So our TSA, we can make as many late night TSA jokes as we want. But there are just not a lot of pistols getting brought on or force equalizers like knives and other weapons on airplanes. And also, we know that the, the air marshals, you know, they're on a tiny percentage. I've heard something like one to five percent of flights. And so it's simply we don't have enough people to staff airplanes with security personnel. And frankly, the planes wouldn't want to give up those seats. So we are you know, largely left to our own in the skies and both international treaties and federal law recognize this. And I talk about these in my column, but loosely, they allow captains to essentially raise a posse and say, come on up. And, and you know, I got to wonder, like, who are they? Who are they calling? Who answers that call? Is it a guy who yeah. has had a couple had a couple MMA classes and thinks he's a tough guy? Or is it, you know, or is it, a, you know, a, a more peaceful uh, type guy who just wants to help sub subdue and, and save folks? I mean, you really don't know who you're getting. P passengers have killed uh, other passengers they were subduing, whether or not on orders of the captain, I don't know. But even federal law and international law suggests that passengers can take matters into their own hands without an order from the captain, which is what, you know, you see in that video, the captain speaking into the PA saying, this is the captain. And I think he says any any strong males come up to the front. By the way, a little bit of discrimination there, folks. I mean, there's plenty now. of strong females. A little there's bit. plenty of strong females out there. A little you bit. You have no yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, anyone who feels like, who you know, and by the way, I mean, you know, you're essentially asking them to enter a melee. You don't know anything about right. this person, except you, you're pretty sure he doesn't have a bazooka. But you know that this person is unhinged and you're raising a posse of complete strangers. And there isn't I just don't see any other way. It's been that way for as long as we've had air travel. Uh, and I don't see that there's any other reasonable way to do it. I mean, we can't put a platoon of Delta Force on right. every flight. Right. You know, we can't have you know, we there's there, we're up there. We're alone. And yes, there are legal consequences when we land. But the terrifying thing is that every time somebody acts up on a plane, they raise that prospect that you might not land. And I hate to be right. that that scary, but it's yeah. true. I mean, there's not a single one of us who wasn't alive during 9-11 that when somebody even screeches on a plane or acts out or yells yeah. at someone, we think, oh, oh yeah, oh. immediately. So, so, you know, look, we are we're on our own up there. Uh, you know, we it will continue to be that way. There really is no fix Without weapons, uh, because nobody has weapons, the only thing you have is strength in numbers. And so the, a captain doesn't really have much choice. And you just, you know, the interesting thing is you never know who the person is acting up and you never know who is in this posse that you're raising. You know, it's like the, the heist movie, right? Every heist movie has a guy that they add at the last minute. And ever, yep. someone vouches yep. for him, but that whoever <laughs> vouched for him was flat out wrong because they get into the bank and he starts shooting everybody up and right. oh, who added that yep. guy? No one vouched for him. 
And that's exactly, you don't know who you're getting in this posse. And, you know, passengers have died. Now, a lot of folks may say, hey, listen, if a passenger is making me scared and that he's trying to open the exit door and maybe once in a great while, they're a little too rough with them. Uh, I got no problem with that. Maybe a lot of folks would agree with that proposition. I don't know. But we have a situation where it is the Wild West. It is frontier justice in the skies in a way that we would never, ever, ever accept on Earth. I mean, in fact, I was reminded forcibly of the Derek Chauvin video in that a big part of that video was all these bystanders who wanted to help. Hey, let me get Look, I'm a a firefighter. I, I know first aid. Get back. You know, do not interfere. You'll be arrested, too. And of course, they would have been arrested if they'd gotten any closer. Law enforcement doesn't want your help uh, on the ground effectuating arrests. Uh, strangely enough, up in the sky, it's, you know, it's uh, it's arrest by the people. It's citizens arrest time. Yo, Danny, wow. that's I, like, crazy I, that we, we've just let this rock like this. Totally blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, one of the first I, I call him before, but totally one blew of the, my mind. <laughs> one of the first things that we talked about or one of the first things that happened to me in the new year uh, before even pandemic and like when I was going on my end of the year trip, a woman fainted on the airplane um, sure. cold and in the middle of the flight to um, Jamaica. And so my first thought is like, damn, this is really going to screw up our vacation. And then my second <laughs> thought was <laughs> when I turned around, um, I was like, she I need a doctor. I need the flight attendant because there's a medical emer- like I had to like rephrase what I was going to say because I was like, sh- right. I think she died. Um, but I'm not sure. So I, and I didn't want to alarm anyone. But it was literally like the most it was chaos, just like the videos that we've seen yep. of the fights of like the flight attendant, somebody who said they were a nurse, somebody who said they were a doctor because you're you're asking, is there a doctor on board? Like it was just like a right. Ra- and and basically at that point, you're it's chance. There might be a doctor. There might not be. But like right. it just it did. It, it felt similarly to what you're describing in the sense that it really was just like, oh, we hope there's a doctor on the plane to deal with this medical emergency which we don't have any information about because this is a random passenger on the airplane i mean i feel like we should probably think these things through that's all i'm saying danny i agree but i don't know (laughs) that there's a fix i really don't know that there's a fix except you know hope there's a couple guys who played high school football on board i don't know i don't know what the uh, solution is i i think when you're hoping for high school jocks to show up and save Mm -mm. you you have already missed the boat (laughs) Yeah, Danny Smalls. You have um, er- thank you for this error. column. I, it, I'm never gonna. I, I'm, wow, I'm never gonna you. look at air travel yeah. the same way. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for pro- morning, thank you for mentioning always. it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we love you, Danny. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.